Welcome to the Art of Semi-Fiction. I am Jane Daly. And I am Robin Miller. Today we are going to ask the very burning question, can I write both fiction and nonfiction? Yes. Thank you for joining us. I'm just kidding. Just, just, the yeah. end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Sorry. So, punchy, punchy today. Yeah, a little punchy. A little punchy. Um, so a lot of times we as writers have heard from agents and editors that we need to stick to one Genre. We need to stick to one, um, one really pretty much. Yeah. Just to pick a lane, lane, find a lane, lane and stay in it. Yeah. And so we're going to talk today about whether that is absolute gospel truth. So, or hooey or, or not, maybe not hooey. I'm going to say hooey. That's a little strong. <laughs> can't, I mean, can't Christian people say that word? Hooey, you can say hooey, but I'm okay. going to say it may not be hooey. It may just okay. be a good idea for most people. We're going to talk about that. Okay. All right. So let's look at some authors, first of all, who have successfully navigated both lanes, both fiction and nonfiction. There is an author named Jocelyn Green, and she has written eight historical fiction novels including Wedded to War, Widow of Gettysburg, and my favorite, The Mark of the King. So she's very much writes historical fiction. But she has also published traditionally eight nonfiction books, including two she co-authored. So the question is, how does she do it? How does she do it? I know somebody else who has done it. Who? Cynthia Rukti, my agent. Well, tell me about how did she do it? Oh, I'm just telling you she did it. I, but you don't know how. Well, I do know how. I mean, because she's written, she's written devotionals, nonfiction, and fiction, mm-hmm. and just the same thing. We've got going there, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Green. Yeah, I think it all comes down to excellent writing, and that's that's a very good point. But secondly, she also has an agent who doesn't pigeonhole her into okay, one crucial. or the other. Yeah, that's a crucial point. That now, is a crucial. Point. I'm not saying that everyone who writes necessarily. Uh, will want to write both fiction and nonfiction. But some of us, myself included, who have traditionally published um, nonfiction, I really, my my passion is to write stories, to write fiction. I haven't gotten anything published yet, but I also have an agent who believes that you can write both. But many agents don't don't want you to write both. And, they want and, you to stay with one. And to be fair, this is not just saying that agents are like weird and they're not, and they're people. not evil. No, the reason is, is because publishers invest in you in building your platform. Mm-hmm. And Jane has been published successfully nonfiction books, multiple, you know, more than one. And when you invest in building your platform as a nonfiction or as a fiction writer, there's been a certain amount of effort that's been put mm-hmm. into that. And it's very difficult to then say, you know, now we switch into a different vein. So it's not that they're being mean or inflexible. It's just that they know you're a harder sell to a publisher. If you have an expertise in a following in a platform in one genre, but you want to write in another one. Mm-hmm. So until your name is ridiculously, you know, whatever you write, I will read kind of a, uh, thing and and there are people like you know James Patterson and and you know Francine Rivers could do mm-hmm. it Max Lucado could do it if names that that write and Max, uh, Max Lucado has done it yeah but you but there's a point at which you can because your name is the brand and they know that you're you know 
what you write or the yeah, quality no matter, you write or no whatever. No matter what you write is going to get published. Yeah, because it's because you've established yourself in the level and the level of quality. But when you're first starting out, you have to remember that people are investing money and it's time a business. and effort. Yeah. yeah, it's a business. And yeah. so your your agent knows that she he or she may not uh, be able to market you as yeah. as Robin said. But yeah. in Jocelyn's um instance, she's um, represented by Tim Beals, who is the founder of Credo Communications, mm. who happens to be my, um, it, he's not my agent, but that's my agency. Yeah. And he believes that what she writes is good and gives her the freedom yeah. to write both fiction and nonfiction. And that is something that I, I like about Credo is they're not, they're not one of the agent agencies who said you have to pick, pick a lane. Yeah. And that's, that's a great, if you, if you are like, Jane, who has a passion, and you have something to say nonfiction wise, and you have a passion for stories, you want to look into that if you're choosing an agent or an agency, because it's kind of hard to be told that you, you know, it's like, I like tacos, but I don't want tacos every night, you know. <laughs> and so it's it's important that you find somebody who's gonna not only tolerate it, but encourage embrace and embrace it. Well, and as, support as it. part of your long term career. Yeah. Which is important. We, I think we talked about how to choose an agent and, and the importance of interviewing. Don't, I mean, yes, it's great to get an agent, but it's more important to get the right agent. Yeah. It's kind of like marriage. Exactly. It's great to get married. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to be married to the wrong person. Yeah. Exactly. So the agent is exactly. the same thing. You want someone who's going to be with you for the long haul. And, and and totally supportive of everything you do. It's very much like a marriage, as a matter of fact, isn't it? You want yeah. them to believe in you. You want support. them to not stifle you. They want mm-hmm. You want support and set you free. And it is just like a marriage. I'm married to my agent. I didn't know that. It is like a marriage. I'm going to have to give Cynthia a ring. <laughs> Next time like I a see call it. or like an actual <laughs> ring. Because that could be a little weird. It could be a little awkward. She'd yeah. probably take it and laugh, though. As long as it was pretty. All right. <laughs> okay. So another familiar name is James Scott Bell. Yes. So Mr. Bell has his courtroom novels have really placed him in uh, in a supreme position in a really overcrowded genre. I mean, look yeah. at how many people write courtroom dramas. Yeah. Because you've got the John Grisham and you've got um, Scott Pratt, who's not a, an author who's a Christian, but he writes courtroom novels. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's quite quite a crowded genre. And, and he yet, set himself apart. He, he has set himself apart. Yeah. Um, but look at how he's also written um, lots of craft books, mm-hmm. How to Write Your Novel from the Middle, which yeah. I highly recommend. Um, he's written How to Make a Living as a Writer. So... Um, and I'm reading The Art of Zen, or no, The Art of War for Writers, which is just little mm. tiny chapters that are just little snippets of excellent stuff. He's he's a great writer on craft, so I, I highly recommend him. But think about this. Um, I cruised through his web- website and realized he's also written several nonfiction books. So not only does he write courtroom dramas, mm. as well as a lot of other fiction he writes uh, writing-related books, and then he also has written nonfiction, including "Some People Are Dead." He's he is <laughs> great. Like I know. <laughs> he like is. He, he definitely knows okay. how to title a book. He's yeah. he's great at titling. So this is he is someone who has um, been able to cross into that different lane of the yeah. freeway. And, and again, the question is, how did he do it? Excellent writing. Yeah. He was able to establish himself 
uh, first of all, as a great writer, then as a teacher at um, writers conferences, and then started writing books, and now is really an acclaimed teacher yeah. on on uh, writing. That's and that. Just so you know, not everybody wants to or even can do that. But if you can and want to, there is there are plenty of people who've already broken that mold to go ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And the the key word there is excellence. And all you do, if you write a, an excellent book, content is king. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, it's over platform. It's over everything else that surrounds the writing of a book. It's the content. And if you've got great content and a passion for it, and again, if you're forced to write something, you're not going to be the best salesperson for it. Mm-hmm. So when somebody is told that they need to write something outside their wheelhouse, they're not going to give it their best. But if you're passionate about it, that's part of your platform. Mm-hmm. Part of your platform is your enthusiasm. So if you are wanting to be writing it, like nobody's forcing you to write fiction. You love it. You love the process. You love the the results. You love everything Creating about it. Creating the story and the characters exactly. and, and the plot. Exactly. So even though you had success and awards and stuff with your nonfiction, you're not going to be going, yeah, my fiction, whatever. You're going to, you're passionate about mm-hmm. it. So that's, that's the kind of person we're talking about too. We're not talking about people who are saying, who, whose agent is saying, you must write this, you know, a book on poetry or haiku for, but it'll be good for your career and you have no interest in it. We're talking about the people who really, really want to, whatever message God's given them in whatever genre to be able to go for and do forth and do that. And right. Well. So the simple, the simple answer is, can I wrote, write both fiction and nonfiction? The simple answer is yes, you can, yeah. but should you? And so yeah. for the beginning writer, what does that mean? And I believe that it means that the beginning writer should pick a lane, so to speak, and stay in it. Uh, because you need to master your craft. You need to know what it is that you're writing, your, yeah. your big, you know, what is your overarching theme mm-hmm. of your writing? And there's yeah. many ways to discover this. Um, you, you have a exercise that you, you yeah. went through in your MFA to discover what you're passionate about, what, what you're what really you're, writing about. Yeah, what are you really writing about? What is everything you write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction? Yeah. So um, the, the beginning writer, I would say needs to stay with Elaine. I think, yeah, I think that that's, that's fair enough. It's, it's kind of like if you have an Olympic Olympian who is great at shot put, but isn't at the top of shot put yet, you want them to perfect that before they start picking up a javelin. Right. Kind of yeah. a thing. So that's, that's a great point. Um, so the advanced writer, the one who, even intermediate to advanced writer who's proven themselves, yeah. I believe that they can cross over into a different not only a different genre, but also the whole different, um, cause I wouldn't say fiction and nonfiction are necessarily genres. What do you call them? Uh, well, they're, they're general, very, very topical genres. Yeah. So you've got so, fiction, nonfiction, and then like creative stuff. nonfiction, and then like instructional nonfiction. Yo, yeah. Yeah. Prescriptive nonfiction is the, this is how you do something. Right. This is like step step one, step two, step three. Like James Scott Bell and his writing, um, writing books on writing is yeah. first you do this and then you do yeah, this. Yeah, it's prescriptive. So there's there's nonfiction and fiction are the overarching genres, but in the broadest of terms. Mm-hmm. And then in fiction, of course, you've got oh. romance and speculative and 
um, women's fiction, women's fiction, YA. Oh yeah, and all of it, steampunk, and all that. All of that falls under the genre, the genre of fiction. But right. they're all their own specific right. genres within fiction. Same thing with which, nonfiction, right? Which for the beginning writer, you want to be able to establish yourself as. So if I write women's fiction. That's really what I should be writing for the next, I would say, five books. Yeah. Then I've already established myself as a as a writer. Yeah. I I could write a YA book because yeah. I, I have a YA book that that I've written part of that I'm dying to write, but I don't want to I don't want to muddy the water, so yeah. to speak. I really want to get established as I am a women's fiction writer. Yeah. So that would be a way that an agent would say, no, you need to stick to a lane. You need to stay yeah. writing the same thing for a while. Yeah. Then you, you can switch. Exactly. I mean, and th- there are very few exceptions to that. Um, and for most people, those exceptions won't apply. One exception might be that there is something specifically related really like if i was established having written articles about fostering and adopting from the foster care system and was kind of had had built a large platform in that arena and then i wrote a fictional book about a family who adopted some hard to place kids that would be that would be a tie-in yeah that would be a tie-in because that would be of interest to the audience that i've already established it's only when you switch to an audience that is completely, I mean, almost no overlap between your two audiences that there's a problem. And unless you've established yourself well in one area, then it's a huge risk. And and you need to think about if you're going to want to be a a long-term writer, you want to have a career, whether you publish one book a year or you publish one book every three years, you want to, um, it, it's too much of a risk if yeah. you decide, you know what, I'm going to write this one book on women's fiction, and now I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to write a children's storybook, and then maybe I'll write a book of poems. I mean, there's a huge risk of yeah. you really watering down your your message, really watering down your platform. Um, it's just, it, for it be, me, it be, it's not worth the risk. And it becomes kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of things. If, if you've been to a restaurant and they have – one dish from every country in the world kind of a thing. It's kind of novelty, but you're like, do you really specialize? I want to go to a Mexican restaurant for really good Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I want to go to, an, you know, a Vietnamese restaurant for really good Vietnamese. When you do try to do too many things, the almost default thing is that you're really not a master of anything. So mm-hmm. there's a psychological component that you're risking. Very, very, very risking. I want to know that somebody really is, is, an expert in an it, expert mm-hmm. in one thing. Now there are people that have established themselves so well that I, it's not in jeopardy anymore. Mm-hmm. So they, they've written all, you know, James Patterson with all the novels that, that he wrote and all the YA stuff. And, and then when he writes nonfiction, nobody's going to say, Oh, well, all of a sudden you're not successful as a fiction writer. He's already established right. that. So, And this is a mistake I see that a lot of beginning writers make is they haven't decided really what their, what their lane is. Yeah. To to use cliches that we're not supposed to use (laughs) from a previous podcast. Unpack that for us. Yes. I will (laughs) unpack. What does that mean? Um, I think, you know, too many beginning writers think, well, yeah, I can write, I can write anything because what I write is for everybody. Yeah. And and you can't. So if you're going to be writing historical fiction, 
stick with historical fiction. Don't switch to Amish and then write another on women's fiction and then back to historical. People are, they're not going to associate your name with a, with a particular genre or with a particular, um, area of writing. Yeah. Now, people like Francine Rivers, who wrote, writes beautiful historical fiction, biblical historical fiction, writes the masterpiece, which is set in modern times, yeah. and is a wild success. But how long has she been writing? And what did she start in? I mean, her, her kind of, when she was, it, when she had a radical conversion and began writing in the Christian uh, publishing industry for the Christian market, it was historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And some of it was just historical fiction and some of it was historical biblical fiction, Mm -hmm. but that that's all kind of in the same thing there. And she established herself and wild acclaim because she did that so well. And now she could write a haiku. She could write a book on knitting and she'd be, we would buy it. Why? Right. And the reason, and the reason is, is because she has established herself as an excellent writer. So she writes in, in two kind of different genres in the historical slash biblical fiction and contemporary and she does them both brilliantly. But it, even then, she's she's mentioned that it was a little bit of a, when she said to her agent, you know, I want to step away from what's making all the money, all the money and yeah. all the things. They were kind of like, why don't we just stick with that? You know what what you've established. But it was it was kind of important to her to serve the calling in her. But she did it after establishing herself, right? So so um, you know, back to James Scott Bell. He established himself as this great author of courtroom dramas. But if you look at some of his writing, other his other books, he has a series about uh, Romeo. It's Romeo's Way, Romeo's War, Romeo's Fight. Totally different characters, totally mm. different. I mean, this is like a guy who is a cage fighter. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's so far removed from the courtroom. And um, he's also he has some novellas about nuns, a crime fighting <laughs> nun. And Go he nuns. has um, a vampire as a as a um, person who does who kind of crime fights in L.A. A, an attorney who's a who's a vampire. That's so awesome. you've got here's James Scott Bell who established himself in one and now can like write you know the haiku and yeah. he would be he would be fine. But he first established himself in a certain lane. And and the funny thing is, is it's not really the, the genre that he established. I mean, any of these writers, what they become known for is not just writing a good courtroom drama or a biblical fiction or historical fiction or whatever. It's that they write compelling stories with compelling complex characters. Mm-hmm. That's what they become. That's, that's, if you can do that, then you, then people will follow you anywhere right. because they know that your stories and your characters are going to stand up to whatever setting, whatever genre it is. That's where you get people who will follow you from steampunk to Amish quilt mysteries to the courtroom to, to the nuns, well, you know, to, to the yeah, vampires, to the vampires <laughs> because of your, the power of your characters and right. the power of your story. And because he has written so much, we read, we authors read his books on writing because we yeah. know he is a success and this yeah. is how he did it. And he's very willing to share that knowledge through the books that he's written about the craft of writing. Yeah. So yes. Can you write both fiction and nonfiction? The ant, the short answer is yes. The long answer is depends, depends yeah. on a lot of things. And, and what you were asked me how Cynthia Recti did, uh-huh. did it. My, my agent who is first and foremost, she was a writer, is a writer. Um, she has a, th- 
she even teaches workshops on this. She teaches all sorts of writing um, subjects, but she talks about the musicality of, of writing and writing for the ear and, and that's kind of her trademark. So whether she's writing a recipe for scones or writing, you know, fiction or nonfiction, it doesn't matter. The beauty of her words and the way that she writes and touches you emotionally through writing for your ear and your heart, it doesn't matter what she writes. That's how she established her excellent kind of thing that we would follow anywhere. Mm -hmm. But it all comes down to that one thing that you do really excellently. And if you do it excellently, then the readers that you've established will will follow follow you. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, you have been listening to The Art of Semi-Fiction. I am Jane Daly. And I am Robin Miller. And we have been exploring every corner of the written word. So thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like, and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.